Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Chris Rudnicki. Chris is a principal at Titan Partners, a strategy consulting firm focused on education. In addition to his work at Titan Partners, Chris is a co-founder of a company called Project Tugboat, which empowers professionals to overcome the social and emotional challenges of unemployment. We contacted Chris after reading his powerful and compelling article in Medium about his father's depression during a prolonged period of unemployment and the risks of ignoring mental health issues during the job search. We see signs of depression and anxiety in our own community of relaunchers when people post in our private Facebook groups, when they write to us, and when we meet with them face-to-face at our conferences and events. It's a very important topic, and we wanted to explore it further with Chris. Chris, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thank you so much, Carol. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, Chris, I want to talk uh, first about the article itself. Your article is is called Unemployed and at Sea, the Quiet Crisis of Confidence that we Ignore at Our Own Peril. Can you give our listeners a summary of the article and um, tell us what you wrote about in it? Sure, Absolutely. So at the highest level, the article is about the psychological, or as I like to say, the social and emotional toll of job loss and unemployment. To bring that topic to life, most of my focus in the piece is on my father's experience over the past decade or so of his life as he navigated falling in and out of work over and over again. And I try to touch on what it feels like to be a son in that situation, to to be someone that is Uh, trying to help a loved one, but isn't quite sure how. And so in many ways, the article became a personal narrative of sorts that tries to shed some light on a much larger and universal experience. Um, And it was my attempt to put a lot of the kind of uncomfortable and hard stuff that my family has gone through on the table, out in the open, uh, in the hopes that others might read it and and glean a useful way to frame their own experiences with a a really difficult subject. Well, you certainly did an incredible job at at conveying that. This is one of the most powerful articles that I've ever seen on this topic. And I'm so grateful to you and to your father um, for you for writing the article and your father for agreeing to put in the public domain a very personal story. I I wanted to understand a little bit more about the background and the origins of the article. Uh, Did you come up with the idea one day and, and approach your father about it and you hashed it out with him? Or did he think of it? Like, how did it come about? And how did you approach him uh, about potentially featuring his personal story? Sure. That's a great question, Carol. Um, the article is really a product of, of several years of, of me trying to play the role to some extent of career coach and, and counselor to my own father, which obviously is a, is a difficult role to play as a son. And when I eventually had the idea for the article, it was really a, 
a process of me trying to figure out what had I done right over the past few years of trying to help my dad kind of through his bouts of unemployment and, and where had I kind of gone wrong? And, you know, that conversation was a conversation that my dad and I had been having uh, for years. And so when I finally put something down on paper and, and kind of went to him and said, hey, look, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of process this experience that you and I went through. And I have this idea of potentially writing an article. Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, I remember I, I sent him a, a first draft and uh, within 24 hours, he had uh, sent me a draft back with line edits. And so, you know, he was, he was ready to kind of fully participate. And I think if you asked him today, um, you know, what this process was like for him, I think he would say, and he's, he's said this much to me as well, is, you know, it was, it was a process that allowed him to kind of reframe his experience and, and, and you know, uh, kind of work through the, the experience and all that he had been through over the past decade. And so in, in a lot of ways, it was, uh, you know, a process that ended up bringing my dad kind of uh, and I closer together than we were before. Do you think in some ways it was, I don't know if you want to say therapeutic, but certainly liberating um, for him to get the story out in the public domain and then be able to look at it retrospectively and, and read about it? Uh, did, did, that, um, did you notice any kind of change in his demeanor or his approach to the ins and out of his employment situation following the article as opposed to before it was written? I think so. I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think one of the hardest parts about job loss and unemployment is that it feels like a very personal burden. It's something that, you know, is an incredibly isolating experience. And it often feels as if we're kind of navigating it all, you know, by ourselves. And, you know, I think my dad lived with that for much of the past decade. And, you know, I don't think it was completely the article. I think there were some other things that my, my dad was kind of working through and has been working through recently that have kind of allowed him um, to, to kind of, um, you know, process his experiences in a way that allow him to kind of move forward in a slightly more positive direction than the one that he was going in. Um, but the, the, you know, the article was certainly part of that. You know, Chris, you just hit on something that is a fundamental piece of the job search process, the prolonged job, job search process that, you know, people who are laid off or lose their jobs experience for sure. And that, that was your father's situation, but also our relaunchers who in many cases took a voluntary career break and now are making their way back in. And it's taking a lot longer than they were anticipating. And now, you know, it's a little, it's very, very hard to find a job in a recession, but you also know that a lot of people are unemployed. And now it's kind of the opposite. There's a very low unemployment rate, but that almost makes you feel worse if you're looking because you feel like, it seems like everyone else has a job and and you're in a quote full employment economy so this whole concept of it uh, being an isolating experience um 
not only um, the from the individual standpoint, but from other people's standpoint, as you're talking about, like how do other people interact, friends and family interact with you when you're the job seeker, when they don't even really know how to handle it either. And that, that also um, contributes to the isolation. So can you just comment on the isolation piece of it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you touch on something that actually, you know, my dad has talked a lot about to me over the past few years, which is, you know, when when the economy is doing well and, and you see, you know, a 4% unemployment rate and, you know, you're struggling to find new work, um, you know, it, it really makes you feel as if, you know, you're doing something wrong. It, it, is, a, yeah. it is a problem about you. It is not a, a problem that transcends you. And I think that is one of the biggest and dangerous fictions in the whole unemployment experience. Um, you know, job loss happens to many people throughout their careers. You know, the, depending on how you look at the numbers, something like in between 20 and 25 million people get laid off or discharged every year from work. And that's not counting a lot of your listeners, Carol, who are maybe have been out of the labor market for a long period of time and are trying to get back in. But the larger point is that this is a this is a an experience that, you know, almost everybody is going to go through at least once in their life, whether they directly experience them it themselves or, you know, they are kind of somebody who is is watching this experience um, you know at arm's length uh, as as a loved one or a friend goes through it and so the the isolation that comes with this experience is really in a lot of ways um, it's psychological it, it is a it is a way of kind of thinking about uh, you, you know your experience and, and your position in the world that can be really dangerous, and and that is not to undermine that perspective because I think it is really difficult uh, to to look at it any other way, um, and and to be able to kind of step outside yourself, so to speak, and realize that you know your experience as somebody who is trying to find new work is nested in this much larger story and this much, much more universal dynamic. Um, and, you know, again, that does not make, that does not make um, the, the, the feelings that people experience any less real. Um, it, it is really can be daunting and overwhelming for people um, as they kind of work through this. And, and I think the other thing that, you know, touches on this a little bit is, is, it's really difficult, and this is what I get into a little bit in, or you try to get into um, a little bit with the article, is it's really difficult as somebody who is, um, you know, adjacent to this experience and trying to figure out how to support someone. Uh, mm -hmm. this, is not, this is not something that we are, you know, trained to do in school. Uh, and it's not something that, you know, we are often doing with our own friends and families enough which is just learn how to be a good supporter in these situations. And, and so a lot of ways, the, the article has, was a, a way for me to try to articulate to a certain extent, you know, kind of what I have come to learn watching my dad kind of experience the, the isolation and the stress and the anxiety and the depression associated with these experiences 
and try to figure out, you know, what have I learned in this process of trying to support him through all of this? So actually, could we uh, briefly uh, dive into a co- uh, some of those recommendations and learnings um, from that you had and also maybe that you got from your father in terms of, you know, how can people, I, I like that, um, that, that phrase, adjacent, how can people who are adjacent to the job seeker um, support them in a way that is constructive uh, or meaningful? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, my biggest takeaway, and this is kind of where I end the article, is the most important thing, the most important lesson, at least for me, but I do think this applies to many other people that I've spoken to who are you know, adjacent to this type of issue, is to, to avoid the pitfall of wanting to fix the problem mm-hmm. and to simply just be there as somebody who unconditionally supports and loves the person that is going through this. I think that is one of the hardest things to do <laughs> as uh, you know, a, a friend or a family member um, is you know, watch somebody who is you know, struggling um, through, again, you know, the stress and depression and anxiety of, of these types of experiences and not want to immediately jump in and fix everything and, mm-hmm. you know, s- tell the person, oh, you need to go read this or talk to this person or just, you know, tweak this about your life. And, you know, magically it'll, it'll all go away and it'll all be fine. That is a really difficult urge to fight. But the thing that actually ends up helping the most is simply being there, is simply being able to check in on a regular basis. Uh, It's simply being able to kind of, um, you know, express that, you know, you understand and acknowledge the difficulty of the path that the other person is on. And, you know, it sounds simple and it sounds like you're not doing anything, but you're doing a lot by doing that. And that is my number one bit of advice coming out of this experience is that don't feel as if you have to proactively engineer a fix to, you know, the problem that the the other person is going through. Um, Simply take a position that is, you know, a, a bit more... Uh, supportive, not passive in arm's length, but supportive in nature. And I think that goes a long way. That is such incredible advice. And, but it's, it's really hard sometimes when that person is depressed because depression can affect productivity. So you might be uh, observing that the person isn't really, doesn't seem to be doing that much to advance their job search and that can feel frustrating for the people who are adjacent. Um, but you're saying you just have to kind of muscle through those periods and accept that and and don't push and just understand that it's going to take longer because depression is affecting productivity in the job search. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to, to use your word there, acceptance is a big part of this process for both, you know, the person experiencing 
unemployment and trying to find a new job, but also for family and friends who are trying to support them. Um, acceptance goes a long way to being able to, you know, fully confront the reality of, of the situation. And, and you're right, you know, it, it's really hard to wake up in the morning and, and be constructive and productive day in and day out on a job search that lasts weeks or months, or in some cases, even years. I think when you look at the research around what really helps people um, through major life events, like losing your job or experiencing unemployment, a lot of these, a lot of the, the, the stuff that really seems to work is pretty simple. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, back to the basics. It's, it's reconnecting with family and friends and communities. Um, it is making sure that you're, you're getting a full night's sleep every night and you have some kind of structure when you wake up in the morning um, so that you, you, know, you start your day uh, you know, in a way that allows you to feel as if you know, when you get to the end of the day that you've actually accomplished something. That is not to say that you, you, know, you need to uh, treat the, the, the job search as a full-time job and, and push everything um, you know, that is not job searching out of your life. But, you know, that is to say that, you know, to keep the job search in perspective and to make sure that it's always balanced with these other kind of these healthy habits and, you know, this, you know, quote unquote, mental hygiene uh, that allows you to really feel as if you're, you're making progress, you know, through this process. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just want to go back to this point about people who are in the depths and in, in the midst of a prolonged job search, feeling like that everything is personal. So because what we often see is that people have sent emails out to other people and then they haven't gotten a response or they've been in a process and then all of a sudden it's like radio silence. Yeah. And then they... They like maybe reach out one more time and they don't hear anything and they just think, wow, I must have really blown that interaction or, I, you know, I just must be so undesirable as a candidate. And then they find out, you know, two and a half months later, the person's like, oh, my gosh, I just found your email in my spam file. I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you. You, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And I, I'm just I I always feel um, that it was that it's very important to communicate with the relaunchers in our community that it's not personal, uh, and most likely there's some completely unrelated situation going on that is leading to a delay in response. Do you have any comments about those little things like the email response and how people can keep a, a positive attitude when when they're when that's happening to them. Yeah, I do have some thoughts on this because I, I absolutely agree with you, and I, I I think you're exactly right. You know, when I when I go out and talk to people um, about these types of experiences, one of the phrases that I always hear is, you know, it's the black hole, the black hole of yeah. the the application, yeah. or the you know the black hole of calling and speaking with recruiters and. And I think that's true. You know, you send stuff over the transom and, and then you never hear back. And then this gets back to, you know, the, the, our conversation a few minutes ago about, um, you know, feeling as if this problem 
is really, it's a problem about me and I'm doing something wrong. And in understanding that, you know, you are nested in this larger dynamic of, you know, what is happening in labor markets in the 21st century and how human resource departments are making decisions about candidates and, and the dynamics of the recruiting and staffing industries, right? Where, you know, you're right, there, there are these tremendous kind of macro level pressures on this system right now that make it very impersonal. Where, mm -hmm. you know, the no responses have become the default setting, so to speak, in, in terms of the, the job search. And, and you know, as a, somebody who's going through that, that can be an incredibly difficult thing. Because, again, it's just so easy to say, well, I must be doing something wrong because all you see is, is your empty inbox <laughs> right. or, you know, your, you know, all you see is your phone that, you know, no one is calling you back. And, and the reality is, is that that is an experience that is being had by, you know, thousands, if not millions of people in any given moment. And I think, you know, just being able to keep in mind my, this is, you know, the one thing that I would, I would really encourage listeners is like, just being able to keep in mind that, you know, it is, it is most likely the case that this is not a you problem. This is a problem that is much larger than you. you like you are nested in this much larger dynamic. And mm -hmm. I think seeing that and being able to kind of confront that and internalize that, I think empowers, can empower people to realize that, you know, it is not, <laughs> it is not a personal shortcoming. It is, it is something that they are subject to in a way. And, you know, I think this was, um, you know, just to, to bring it back a little bit to my dad, this was, I think, one of the things that, you know, writing the article and, and, and kind of talking to him about it as I was writing it helped him realize to a certain extent was that, you know, it is this, this, this problem and the sets of issues that he faces on a daily life are so much bigger than him. And mm -hmm. it is, it is not him that is the problem here. It is these, these larger forces at play. And I think once he, you know, started to internalize that, I think that's when he started to feel empowered because, you know, all of a sudden he could say, you know what, I, I, there are things that I can control <laughs> and there are things that I can't control. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately a lot, you know, in the job searching process, you know, falls into the realm of, of things that, you know, can't be immediately controlled by you. Mm hmm. Um, Chris, what was what kind of reaction did you get when the article was published? Did did people reach out to you and, you know, strangers get in touch and 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 talk about the article's impact on them? Yeah, I, I received, um, you know, quite a few uh, really kind notes after I published the article, and mostly readers just wanting to say thanks for articulating something that just really isn't talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it is just so common. And this, this is a, this is a, a dynamic that, you know, is, is larger than just um, job loss and unemployment, but, you know, we, in our culture, there isn't much of a, uh, of a precedent for, um, you know, putting really hard things out in the open and talking about them 
in, in a way that exposes your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, um, you know, part of what resonated with readers to a certain extent is that this was an attempt to do just that was to say, you know, this is an experience that I know a lot of other people are having. And my dad knows a lot of other people are having. And, you know, can we, you know, articulate it in a way that is kind of true and faithful to our experiences um, and, and, and to show some of the vulnerability that is just inevitable in this. And I think, you know, people really respond to that when you're, when you're true and open about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Um, Chris, can you tell us more about Project Tugboat? Uh, did it, what, did, was it related to the release of this article or um, tell us a little more about, about how it, uh, the origins and, and, and where you are now? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Project Tugboat is a support service that helps job seekers better manage the the kind of social and emotional challenges on their journey back to work. And in a lot of ways, Project Tugboat was uh, the, the kind of product of the years of experience with my own dad trying to figure out, you know, what people really need when they are going through one of these experiences. And, you know, I think the, the thing that I realized over time, and especially when I started to, to think more broadly about you know, what is happening in labor markets from a public policy perspective, you know, what is happening in this broader conversation that, you know, people refer to as kind of the quote unquote future of work, well, one of the things that I think is missing from that conversation is that there's not a focus on the kind of social and emotional challenges of all of this that that people are being held back by. Mm-hmm. And so Project Tugboat was, uh, uh, is an attempt to put those social and emotional challenges front and center and to say, in order to, to get somebody back to work, quickly and and with less stress than they would have otherwise we need to we need to reconceive support we need to we need to stop just saying oh if you just format format your resume this way or you write your cover letter that way or you have this tool to get around applicant tracking systems all of a sudden your problems will go away cuz mm-hmm. i i just don't think that's the case so Project Tugboat is, is, you know, trying to provide guidance and tools and courses that allow job seekers to kind of address some of the harder social emotional challenges that they're experiencing. And it really, we, we launched, I, my co-founder and I launched the company um, about the same time that this article came out. And we have been working diligently for the past year uh, in, in kind of coming up with our, the first iteration of some of our courses. Um, and we are currently working with a, a handful of employers uh, who are either experiencing layoffs or about to experience layoffs and are kind of sponsoring um, outgoing employees to, to work through the program. And over the next few weeks, we're very excited because we're going we're gonna to have our first uh, direct-to-consumer or direct-to-job-seeker offering 
um, that is going to be launched. And so we're at a you know exciting moment right now for for Project Tugboat. But you know ultimately, I have always seen Project Tugboat as part of this this larger agenda of of really just trying to to put the social and emotional challenges of all of this you know back on the table because I, I really feel as if if we we can't collectively address those, then we're not going to be able to make progress on this problem. That's really exciting. We're going to have to be on the lookout um, for that uh, announcement. I, you know, it's kind of a fine line. When I talk to career coaches, they say that part of their training when they're working with people is to uh, detect whether the person also needs to have some, uh, some therapy. Uh, yeah. by a, by a um, psychological therapist or an, or have a, a treatment by a, by a psychiatrist in addition to or maybe ahead of um, the career coaching piece. So that's kind of a fine line. Um, how do you navigate that at Project Tugboat? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And it's one that we have grappled with since the very beginning. Our feeling on it is that while you're absolutely right, there are individuals who cross a line at some point into needing professional psychiatric or psychological care. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we ourselves are, are, are very much in tune to and thinking a lot about, you know, how do we make sure that we are triaging, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, the, the types of kind of users that might come to Project Tugboat um, because there is always going to be a certain percentage of them where a, a lighter touch intervention, such as the one that Project Tugboat might offer, is, is probably not going to be the best thing for them. It's not the thing that they need. They need something that is higher touch. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where you know, being able to refer them to a healthcare or mental health provider is incredibly important. The flip side of that is... There are far more people that experience unemployment that need the basic tools and building blocks that are, you know, a part of evidence-based interventions such as, you know, mindful-based stress reduction or cognitive behavioral therapy that can be used outside of a healthcare setting, a clinical healthcare setting. And, you know, there, these things can be found, you know, in, in, in self-help books and in online forums and have been shown to actually, you know, really help people who might not have a, a acute mental health problem, you know, process their stress and their anxiety in a way that allows them to kind of be more productive and constructive on their way back to work. And so... Project Tugboat is really oriented to trying to help, you know, the large group of, of individuals out there that we believe are underserved that are not good candidates to go and seek, you know, clinical mental health um, interventions. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of how we, we think about it right now. Got it. Uh, well, Chris, you know, we're running out of time and I wanted to close by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is the best piece of advice that you have for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Sure. 
I would go back to the fundamentals on this one. I, I think so much of the research that I have come across and so much of the you know, uh, experiences that other people have communicated to me about what really works comes back to some very basic things. And at the top of that list is reconnecting. And that means reconnecting with family. It means reconnecting with friends, reconnecting with communities that are important to you. The other thing that I think is just really difficult to ignore is healthy habits. I, I think one of the things that's really hard in this process as somebody goes through it is to make sure that you're sleeping enough every night or you're eating well or you're uh, you know, avoiding too much alcohol. Um, those things really add up. And I think it is, you know, things that are, th those types of things tend to be overlooked because, you know, as long as, you know, you are filling out a hundred job applications, that's what really matters. But it's the, it's those basic building blocks that I think are just so crucial to making the, the process of getting back to work one that is not filled with, with stress and anxiety. And that's a, that's great advice. Uh, we're going to post a link to your article with this podcast, but can you also tell our listeners how they can find out more about Project Tugboat? Absolutely. Listeners can check out Project Tugboat at our website, www.projecttugboat.com. That's Project Tugboat, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-T-U-G-B-O-A-T.com. So there's two T's in the middle. Two T's in the middle. That's right. Got it. Excellent. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Carol. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.